Welcome to 90% Mental, I'm your host Grant Parr and thank you for joining us for our 54th episode. As a mental performance coach, I have the honor to work with athletes to enhance their mental game and give them the tools to unlock their full potential. And the reason why that I created 90% Mental is to bring awareness around mental performance within sport by interviewing athletes and coaches so they can share their stories and perspectives on the mental game. So today I have an incredible guest today and his name is Jeff Reed. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion and former professional kicker, and he's going to talk about the mindset of a professional kicker. And I'll tell you this, he's going to give you a very detailed and intimate picture of his mental game, which is awesome. And he's going to talk about his routines, superstitions, how he dealt with pressure, how he practiced breathing before every kick, and he's also going to share a lot of Super Bowl experiences, which is really cool. What I really love about this interview is that Jeff breaks down what it takes mentally, emotionally, and physically to perform at the elite level. But more importantly, he makes you think twice about the idea that kicking a football is easy, because it's not. And he also talks about other elements that he had to take into account before every game, which things that I never even thought of, like weather reports, field conditions, and stadium environments, which all these things affect a kicker's mindset. So... Again, I can't wait for you to listen to this interview and really understand what it takes to be a professional kicker mentally. So without further ado, let's go talk to Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Hey, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm super excited for having you on my show Actually, the first time I've had uh, a kicker on my show to talk about the, the mindset of a kicker, and we're going to get inside your mind as a championship Super Bowl kicker and just kind of get a better I- idea of what it's all about being a kicker and how to deal with pressure and all the fun stuff it is uh, being a kicker. So thanks for being on my show. Thanks for having me, bud. Anytime. Beautiful. So when you think about being mentally tough as a kicker, what does mentally tough mean to you as a kicker? especially at the NFL level? Well, men- mentally tough as a person, um, before we even talk about being a kicker, means we all know in life not everything goes our way. If, it, if, if everything went our way, um, it wouldn't really be life. I mean, it wouldn't be – we'd maybe be more happy, but I think the challenges is what really make you as a human being. And um, mentally tough is when something bad or negative or not the most uplifting thing um, in the world happens to you, uh, it's it's your mentality that gets you back in the right place and focused on the, on the next job at hand, task at hand. For sure. So the so the, the biggest thing about being mentally tough in in life is, you know, when you get curveballs thrown at you, find a way to deal with them. Um, everyone deals with stuff differently. Some people buckle. Luckily for me, I'm not one of those people. Um, I attack it, you know, because I, I know that not everything is going to be perfect in in my world and in nobody else's world. But you have to have a, find a way to move forward or you just give up. Those are your only two options. There's not much gray area there. As a kicker, mentally tough is, you know, I've never watched the weather report more in my life than I did when I was playing football. Wow. And kind of annoying. But, I mean, even for practice, I'm like, okay, it's going to rain today. We're not going to cancel practice. We're football players. 40-mile-an-hour winds, okay, that's going to affect me. What shoes should I wear? We're going to play indoors. We're going to play outdoors. We're going to play on turf outdoors. You know, all this stuff. I mean, am I going to have my footing? So mentally tough from, uh, as a kicker means you got to get all the things that are out of your control in control. Mm. Meaning I can't, Mother Nature is, you know, God deals with that, not me. You know, I just live in it. I live in his world and in his kingdom. So when I go outside, if it's 75 and sunny and uh, no winds, I pray and say, thank you for this great day. If I go outside and it's sleeting in 10, 15, 30 mile an hour winds, um, it's negative 25 degrees. I pray. Thank you for this great day. Mm. Um, nothing changes on my end because I'm, it's not in my control. Um, but if I can get the things out of my control in my favor, um, or find a way to deal with it, that's what mentally tough as a kicker is. So I'm focused here on weather, but you can miss a kick. Okay, you're going to bounce back, make the next one. You're going to hang your head, and you're going to miss two more in that same game. And then you may lose your job. And, you know, when it rains, it pours and everything. Right. Um, doesn't matter if you're in the NFL, Major League Baseball, or you work at a, you know, a car wash up the street. When it rains, it pours. And mentality is, is everything. So 
Um, also, when you go on the field, everyone's like, "Oh, it's the most pressure kick I've ever uh, most most pressure kick I've ever had." Well, I said, "Every one of them," hmm. and they're kind of looking at me like I have three heads. And I said, "Listen, it could be a twenty-five yard game winner where you absolutely shouldn't miss, but if your mentality's off, it doesn't matter if it's twenty-five yards because you're you've already you've already um, messed your mind up, so you've messed your kick up." Um, perfect example I give of kicking is um, whenever I missed a kick in the first half, I would come out at halftime early and kick that same kick at least three times. Same direction, everything. Perfect example, I hit a um, it was a 37 or 39-yarder at Hinesfield going towards the closed end and uh, towards the uh, direction of where the uh, opposing team goes into the locker room. And I hit the upright. I mean, absolutely crushed the, crushed the ball, kicked kicked it just you know just didn't aim exactly where i thought i did hit the upright missed uh worst feeling in the world because it wasn't like it was a shank it was just one of those un- unfortunate things so i come out of halftime and i told myself to my head of course no one i'm not talking to anybody i said i'll probably hit the upright again <laughs> and i was just in my head that's what i was thinking and i and i i couldn't do it if i tried and i hit the exact same spot on that upright and it didn't matter because it was Obviously, it's practice kicks, but then, but I, what I'm telling you is when, when you think something in life, you're, you're telling, you're telling your body or your actions or your talent or whatever it may be to do that. I, I could, I could aim at the upright 10 times and probably not even hit it. Maybe, maybe I would, maybe not, but it's, it's not, it's not a huge pull. I mean, you got all that space and you, and I hit the exact same spot because I told myself in my head, all these people are watching. They're drinking their beers in the stands. They already want me to get back on track. I'll probably hit the upright again. And I did. And it wasn't on purpose. It's just what I thought was going to happen, and I did it. Right. And so what I tell kickers when I coach them, I coach all the way down, nine, ten-year-olds, all the way through um, high school, and even some in college still. I, mean, I have a couple guys kicking in the SEC, which is great. I mean, I tell them, like, listen, your talent is off the charts. But if you can't, between your ears, if you cannot – get right doesn't matter how good you are talent wise and um meaning that you know there's guys that'll miss a kick miss a kick and then like that this uh, i mean it was the last weekend minnesota's kicker yeah. a, guy, a rookie drafted great kicker um hardly ever misses in practice according to his coach and you know two longer ones i kind of get it but they weren't really close i mean at least you know if you miss, you miss, but it still counts as zero points, but they weren't even close. And then his team gets them in line for a 35-yarder, and that wasn't close. So he was mentally checked out, and he could have kicked another two kicks in that game and missed them both um, because I could see it in his face that he was done. And, um, you know, so when you go on that field, it doesn't matter if it's the first quarter, uh, 0-0, or if it's a game winner. you got to tell yourself to – I always told myself to be a hero. not Not Superman not put myself in the shoes of, you know, Jesus Christ. Right. I'm just saying, be a hero, come through for your team. You know, you get seven or eight opportunities a game to go on that field and kick a football. Some are extra points, some are field goals, some are kickoffs. And you don't, you don't get redos. <laughs> you know, if a quarterback <laughs> throws an interception and then throws, throws three touchdown passes, the interception is kind of like, ah, eh, whatever. Right. If a kicker goes out there for six to eight plays a game, and three of them are terrible, that probably is going to be your last game for that team anyway. And, uh, you know, that's the, that's the mentality of it. You just got to I, I even put on the bottom of my shoe. I was uh, superstitious. I mean, some stuff probably didn't really help, but, you know, superstition's real. So, I, you know, I would say, you know, be a hero. And I would say, you know, you know I, I imagine in myself, you know, being picked up by my teammates as I hit a kick, every single kick. And once you do that, you – you know, you you know it's going to be windy. You know the field may be slick. You you know something may not go your way, but if you have in your mind you're going to make the kick, then you even if you shank one, it may go in just because your mind's right. So that's that's the mentality. That's that's the mentality of a uh, kicker, place kicker, how it should be anyway. Well, and you talked, and I love this. You talked about this about focusing on what you can control, focusing on the right things, right? And I also love it that yep. if if you make a if you miss a kick. And I do this a lot. I, I coach a lot of athletes to do this during practice. Like never end a practice with with a negative play. So if something ne- like you, nope. like you know, in the middle of a game, if you if you miss a, a kick, and if you have an opportunity to go back in halftime and 
and do it better, then you've actually, you've kind of diminished that that mistake because you've moved on from it and you've saw yourself and done it right. So you've moved on from it and I love right. it. You know, it, it's funny too. I was going to bring this up later in the show, but it is funny like when, when a quarterback, like look at uh, Nate Peterman. Last year when he threw, even though he was a rookie, he threw five interceptions in the first half. You would think right. that five interceptions, like you're going to be gone. You're going to be demoted. And But if a kicker misses two or three in a game, you're like, you're done. Like you're off the team. Yeah, you already you already get on the phone with your agent and start looking for a job. Yeah, I mean and, it's uh, it's sad, but that's that's really, and I mean it does, and, and nobody cares about you know, nobody cares about hearing excuses about the rain or you slipped or it was a bad snap, it was a bad hole. Nobody cares. I mean, you're the last one to touch the ball, then you better make it. That's how everyone thinks, and they think because you're getting a big paycheck that you're perfect, and they're wrong. But <laughs> right. um, but you know that's that's how people think. Um, because of what you get paid, you should never miss a field goal. You should never shank a punt. You should never throw an interception. You should never fumble. You should never do this, never do that. Well, that's why the games are played, because there's human error in that. Um, so that's the um, that's the one thing. You, I mean, if, you, if your head's on straight, you may still miss one, but if your head's in the right place, you're going to, you're going to finish, you're going to, as a person and as a player, you're going to come all on top. Definitely. Definitely. And when you look at, because you're just talking about you know, how mental the position is, if you were going to break it up in a percentage, physical versus mental, with this role, what would it be the mental versus the physical? I think mentally it's um, what, between your ears is 90% of kicking. Obviously, there are exercises you can do to you know, be more flexible so the ball goes higher and the ball goes further and lifting weights and training with the right coach, kicking coach, and doing the right things to stay healthy and eating right, and blah, 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 blah. All that stuff is a very important. But if you're, the, if you're a physical specimen and, you know, you look like you were someone chiseled you up because you're so ripped up and in such great shape, but your mentality's weak, you won't make any kicks. Mm. You know, so you, you can be overweight, kind of out of shape, but you, mentally you're just, you're all there. You'll probably be, a, you know, 85% kicker. And that's not, I mean, obviously you want to, you want both, but just giving you the example that when it comes to kicking, you're looking at 90% is, is the mentality part of it. And I tell, I tell every parent of the kids I work with the same thing. Like, don't, you know, don't beat your kid over the head if he misses a kick, because all he's going to do is thinking he's let the family down. Then that's another thing to put in his head. He doesn't need that. Right. For um, sure. I've even, I even worked with a girl kicker in our area. Actually, she's in South Carolina. And, you know, her mentality, she has great mentality because she doesn't care. But her mentality is she's going to get hit by those guys because she's out there playing football. Um, you know, I'm sorry that I understand that women are treated a little bit differently than men. But if you're on the football field, it's your fair game to get hit yeah. and tackled and anything. Yeah. So, so their mentality is to, you know, defend themselves. But this, this girl was. You know, if she missed one, she kind of laughed it off. And then the next one she would make. And you could just see her mental confidence. Mm. And uh, regardless of the other stuff that a woman would worry about on a football field. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Well, besides the quarterback, I feel that the kicker deals with huge amounts of pressure like a quarterback. Different responsibilities, a lot of more moving parts with the quarterback. But there's a ton of pressure when you think about pressure as a kicker, like what was your relationship with pressure? Did you did you embrace it? Did it ever turn into fear? Share share with me a little bit about pressure. With pressure, I I, I thrived in pressure situations. I was a pretty good practice kicker, um, but when I when I, when the game was on the line and people were watching, I that's when I shined. I know some people that never miss in practice, and when they get in front of people, they're just the opposite. They're not terrible. But it gets to them. Like I, I want, I want, I want to hit a game winner. You know, I want, I want the score to the game to be in my hands when there's three seconds left. Was it a huge rush? Of course it was. Were you a little nervous? Of course. I mean, it's life. But I live for those moments. And I, I, I probably hit twelve or thirteen game winners, and I mean, every single one of them is the same. I mean, obviously one was in the playoffs, so it meant more. But it's still the same kind of kick. Mm. And um, you know, I, I thrived on that. Pressure. I thrive on pressure. I thrive on pressure in life. 
when somebody says I can't do something, this has nothing to do with field goal kicking. If someone says I can't do something, I'm going to go ahead and prove to them whether it takes me one minute or one month or one year, I'll do it. I'm just that kind of person. Like, I mean, I got thrown into the finance, finance director position at a 300 cars a month store Jeep dealership. And I didn't even have any background in the car business. And I'm very good with numbers. I do have a brain. I have a, you know, college degree, but you know, you don't just all of a sudden start dealing with millions of dollars. And so I had to teach myself, but it was something that somebody saw in me, the potential I could be good at. So I was, uh, you know, I was very successful at it, but I mean, it was very nerve wracking because I I had to train myself. It wasn't someone said, Oh, you're going to fail at that. But it was a challenge to me. Like, okay, I've, you know, now that I've seen this, I've been ripped off on all the cars I bought in the past. I mean, now I've seen the other side of death, so that won't ever happen again. But I had to, I had to be self-taught. So pressure is good for me. I mean, obviously, it'd be great to live a, uh, to lead a life and live a life with absolutely no pressure ever, um, because you know that would be nice and relaxing. But um, that's uh, unfortunately not how, uh, not how this this world works and how life works. Right. Well, also pressure too allows us to, uh, to test ourselves, but it allows us to develop. You know, like when, you, when you're it's hard to to build muscle if everything's kind of relaxed, right? It has to be stressed out a little bit. You have to, you know, you don't want to live your whole life under pressure and stress, but it allows us to to gain lessons and, and develop. When you do think about pressure, though, as a kicker, did you ever, did you do a lot of like simulation training at all to, uh, to kind of simulate environments so you can kind of get used to that type of pressure? Yeah, uh, what I did in practice, I mean, I mean, it's your team, so obviously it matters because when you're in the NFL or any professional sport, even college, you're every day you need to be taking a step forward. You can't stay the same. You can't get worse. If you have a crappy day, it happens, but it can't it can't be a crappy week because coaches, the people upstairs, Rooney's, Kevin Colbert's of the world, they're they're watching you daily, either move forward or take a step back. Mm. And so in practices, I knew the pressure was there. Was it a little bit more relaxing? Of course, because it's your team. It's the guys that trust you, they've, they've, they've appointed you as one of the team captains. So I had all the stuff going for me. But if I go four for, se- four for seven in practice, that's not good enough. You know, so I go and kick more. I got to hit 10 in a row before I get off the field. But what I did is I used Arena League uprights during our uh, field goal drills. Now, that being said, you know, arena league uprights are very narrow. And that being said that, and we had some, you could roll around, move in different directions. So, if they, you know, whatever field it was on. So then when I got to the game, the uprights look huge. So I practiced on that. You can't really put yourself in a game winning situation when there's people barking at you on the other team and calling you names and talking about your family and the world's watching and you're playing in a Super Bowl. You can't put yourself in that situation. It's tough. But you can put pressure on yourself in other ways. So when you when it does come in, in a game, then you know you know how to handle pressure in general. Right, right. So you know the time when you when you kicked the fifty three yarder, right? The moment yeah. when, before you got prepared mentally to kick that. Is it different when you're kicking a twenty yard field goal um, as far as your routine, what you're going through, the pressure that you're feeling? Or is it is it consistent? No matter if it's fifty three or if it's twenty yards, I have my same routine. I have my same faculties together, if you will. Right. Yeah. You kick every kick the same. Now, I will say, just just from experience, um, sometimes you know, depending on the weather, um, and the wind and stuff, and the, if it's raining or in the footing, um, you have a special relationship with your holder because you can hold a ball differently to kick it further. And so, you know, most of the time. We didn't have to tweak it too much with me. Any, anything under 45 yards, keep it like this. And then if, it, if we move back to 50, 55, whatever we're at, you may have to lean it forward a little bit more because I had plenty of height on the, all the – when I kicked, I had plenty of height on the ball. So when you lean the ball forward, the holder does. When he does that, that actually allows the ball you, – you hit the you know, meatier part of the ball, the, the sweet spot, and it doesn't go as high, but it goes further. So – you know, those things are taken into factor when, when you talk about distance. But as far as how do you prepare for a 53-yarder versus a 25-yarder, it's the exact same thing. Mm. Um, if you treat it differently, then you'll kick it differently. You, you kick an extra point 
an extra point a lot of times my extra points but i got a lot of these these strong kickers now you kick it over the net because <laughs> you kick an extra point yeah you don't you don't just go up there and tap it because you're 20 well now 33 but when i played 20 yards away you you, you attack it just like you're you know you you're trying to hit a 55 yard field goal right down the middle from 33 yards or 20 yards whatever your uh, distance is right so yeah you, you nothing nothing changes i mean uh, it, the more you change and mess with your mentality when it comes to distances, um, I will say there is one kick, and I did I didn't change that I missed, and it was a 65 yarder in Denver. That was that was quite a um, an experience because it was Denver, so it was right before halftime. Coach Tomlin let me allowed me to try it because he was going to throw a hail mary, and I said no. <laughs> I made a 63 yarder going this way in uh, pregame. Wow. Well, the bad thing is, but in pregame, you know it was. 75 degrees and no wind and during the game it got down to about 55 or 50 and you know because denver's got crazy weather and i hit it absolutely perfect and it left it about two yards short went going right down the middle that i mean denver's players were even like dude you're nine for nine on the near you sure you want to kick this and i said <laughs> heck yeah man i don't get opportunities like this and there and i said why, why don't y'all just i said why don't y'all just not rush me don't, don't try to block it so I can try to get in this record book. And they were laughing. And, and that was during one of the timeouts. But, I mean, my mentality, I was even more relaxed. Cause I was like, you know, how many people get a chance to attempt a 65-yard field goal in a game? Very rare. Right. And, you know, I pretty much just ran on, ran on the field. And I told Coach Tomlin, I said, I'm kicking this. <laughs> and he goes, all right. I thought he was going to say, uh, no, we, we're going to do this. And he just said, okay. So, but that was, uh, wasn't a different mentality at all. But it was. It was actually more relaxed than a than a fifty five yarder because you're supposed to make those. Right. Um. So, you know, it's it's just a uh, over overall you can't change your mentality on a distance. Got it. Well, I mean, how cool is it to uh, have a coach have that much confidence? Where you have great. It seems like you have great connection with with Tomlin and good communication. Where you can, like, coach, I can get this, and he's like, all right, like, you know, that that's to me that relationship between a coach and a player is beautiful. It's awesome. You know, when you think of these long kicks, and even normal kicks, but long kicks. Well, no, they they tell you, the co- coaches always ask you before the game, which what's the longest each direction that I that we're working with, so I know, uh, you know, how to change the play calls if necessary, blah blah blah. And you tell them. I mean, one way the wind may be going behind your back, and you could say, I mean, anything under sixty, I'm I, I feel comfortable. One day, one way could be, uh, you know. 47 you know it just kind of depends on the weather and how you feel and the field itself and i mean you talk about that before the game with your special teams coach and the head coach so when it's third down and you're on the brink of field goal range uh, range then you then you you find a way to either all right we're going to try to at least get a kick some points out of this or let's, let's try to get a first down or punt if it doesn't work out and you know so so you have to have a good rapport with your coach because that you talk about that before every game Awesome. That's awesome. What about breathing? How much do you focus on? I mean, I can only imagine when you're doing, you know, kicking a 53-yarder, 65-yarder, uh, you have to have your breath. And and I've known this as I'm teaching athletes, you know, especially in baseball, you know, if you're in the batter's box and you you don't have your breath or you're losing your breath, that 95-mile-an-hour fastball is going to look like 101. But if you have your breath you can control the game and slow right. it down, right? So, and I remember hearing a coach a long time ago with a kicker that like he was working on his breath. He's like, man, the, the more you control your breath, the more wider the field goal is going to look. But if you're like tense and you're, you know, you're stressed out and you're losing your breath, it's going to look a little bit slimmer. So how much did you focus on, on breath? Right. Right. Hmm. Right. Right.
Breathing part is huge because you do have to have a, uh, there has to be a relaxation in every kicker. I mean, you can see a lot of them. We just watch, when you watch TV on Sundays, um, or even especially in college, because some of those kids are really, really tense because they're younger. But when you, when you watch them, you can tell right away if they're like Vinatieri is chilling, laid back, <laughs> done this routine for 20 something years, like whatever, if I miss, okay, whatever, on to the next one. I mean, he he cares, but it's almost like he doesn't care because he's so relaxed. Got it. Um, but then you got then you got other people that you're just like, okay, well, he's look at look look at his eyes. I mean, his face is beat red. He's not breathing. You know, so maybe maybe he'll still make the kick, but I know he's not relaxed. So you can you can see that and just watch. Yeah, for sure. Well, you you talked about visualizing the kick. How much did you visualize your performance? How much did you make that a part of your routine? And also, I'm always fascinated by by this skill. When you did visualize, did you see yourself within your body, or did you visualize yourself like from afar, looking at like your whole body doing the kick versus like being in your body? Uh, I visualized in, in my body. Um, now you're picking an actual visualization point when you're taking your steps back and over for a field goal you pick something way 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 that you know you're not on your best day doesn't matter the ball's not going to hit that target for instance if you're kicking and there's a forest in the background if on a practice field um, you you pick that middle tree that's kind of shaped awkwardly or is taller than the rest or is the only one with no leaves or you're you're trying to hit that kick that to that and then if you know and if, and if it even gets somewhere near there going to go through the uprights so that's your visualization as far as picking a your focus point but i i i pretty much visualize just with me in me because whenever you um whenever you start to do whenever you start to do other things as far as like kind of take yourself from the spot move back whatever it may be i think you overthink stuff and um so when i visualize it's okay this is, this is, uh, I'm here to do this job. This job takes 1.2 seconds. How hard could it really be? It's not that easy, but <laughs> right. that's what I tell myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, according to everybody else, they think kicking is easy, but I have, I have, I have some news for them. It's not. Nope. But <laughs> you know, when, when you, yeah, but when you do that, you know, it's like my biggest thing with visualization is you've already, when you're taking your steps, you've already seen the ball visually go through the upright. So, Let's just make this happen for real. Yeah. And um, because because that puts positive vibes throughout your whole body. I mean, from your head to your toe, there's no doubt. We don't need – I'm not worried about Mother Nature today. It's going to go right through this wind, hit this wind tunnel, go right down the middle. Yeah. And that's your visualization. It's, you're just – you're creating confidence. Then you go on the sideline. You can go on the sideline and complain about it a little bit, you know, to your, um, <laughs> to your snapper and your punter away from everybody. But, you know, when you're out there, you got – you know, you don't have much time on that field, so you make the most out of it. For sure. Yeah, and, and you you create confidence before you even do it. And and there's no right or wrong, but I personally, I, I like in-body because I feel like, you know, if I'm a kicker or even if I'm a quarterback, if I'm going to be seeing this visual or the my vision, this image is going to be in front of me, well, I probably want to see myself in that, in that point of view. So... No right or wrong on how you see yourself, but I think in bodies to me is a little more powerful. There's a more connection there. Yep. When you think about so this this I've been waiting for asking this question because when you think about the game of football, you know there's a lot of you'll see it, man. A lot of people get there's many ways to get pumped up for a game, and you see it a lot. You know a lot of people like to have their headphones on, leave me alone type of player, or they love to talk or whatever. There's just a, a big range of how people get prepared for a game. How did you get prepared? Were you, were you ever nervous? Were you anxious? Did you, like, what was your routine? Pretty much, I was always the first one there before anybody. Sometimes Troy, Troy Palomalo and I would come over together because wow. he had some kind of crazy ritual that he did. <laughs> um, but I was there first because I got to be on the field first to warm up first because once everyone else is out there, I have no room. 
Um, so we, that, that was our, you know, our timing, you know, specialists go out at a certain time. Well, we're first because, I mean, I, I want to go kick first. And then I, then I have to go through my routine of got my helmet on. I'm out there with my, you know, my special teams coach, my holder, my snapper, we're moving around the entire field. So that being said, I, um, team was, I, I did listen to some music, you know, prior to getting to the uh getting to the stadium but wasn't head banging stuff i don't need to be out there knocking heads off every once in a while i would think i was stuff i'd run down on the kickoff but you know i i just listened to positive positive stuff that was very like uh uplifting you know wasn't gospel or anything it was just you know don't stop believing you know stuff like that i mean I just I love positive it. things because yeah yeah, you know, and, and I mean, it wasn't, I had that routine, but I'm not really a music guy. Once I get in the locker room, I'm doing my stretches, saying a prayer, um, you know, doing my little OCD stuff, tying my shoe two or three times. And, uh, you know, once I get, once I get on that field, it means showtime. And um, once the, the biggest thing for me was I don't really battle anxiety, um, which is good. So I know a lot of people do, but I did always want to get that first opening kickoff because then you know what you know, right away you're in the groove you're in the middle of things and you're moving forward and your game has actually started even though the game started if you if you uh, if your team defers and you get a second half kickoff or whatever happens you, your first kick may be in the second half you I mean if your team doesn't score or you know you just never know and so then you've done all that pregame stuff only to sit around and stay loose for another hour and a half so I always like to get that first kick out of the way, whether it was opening kickoff or hopefully our team went down there and we didn't have the kickoff, went down there and scored or got, got me an attempt right away. Um, because sitting around was sitting around was tough because especially the colder it got outside. Got and even though there's heated benches and ways to stay warm, you don't want to just swing your leg 500 times a game um, because, you, you know, if you ever do get out there, you're not going to be able to, you know, maximize your potential. Got it. So, yeah, so that was that was pretty much my routine. It was nothing crazy, um, but I was the first one there, and uh, you know, I was uh, you kind of do your own little routine of a shower, and you know, get like I said, get your little uh, superstitions out of the way, and then <laughs> then it's game time before you know it. Even though it seems like you get there, at, you know, nine thirty for a one o'clock game, you feel like you got eternity, but there goes open and kickoff. You talked about superstitions and, and rituals, which it comes up a lot in sports, um, especially you hear a lot in, in, in baseball. But if you were before a game, if, if you didn't have a chance to see out that that ritual or that, that superstition, would that would that mess with your head? Did you feel like you were going into a game kind of incomplete? Initially, it didn't mess with my head. But if you, after the game, say you went two for three, uh, you still – you still had a good game. No one booed you off the field. You still won. Your team won the game. Right. You could always look back and say, man, I didn't do that today. And then who knows if that's the blame. You're just looking for an excuse or who knows if that really does mentally take a, you know, play a part. That's why over the years I had so many, um, initial, initial ones that I was like, I got to get rid of half of these because I don't know if they're helping me kick good or not, but I, I'm sick of it. You know, it's like you're driving yourself nuts. Right. right. So, yeah. Yeah. So I got rid of most of mine. The one thing I always did um, after every quarter, I would change the sock on my right leg to wear my and, and take my kicking shoe off because obviously when you wear, you have two shoes on, you have a kicking shoe and you have a plant shoe. Uh, the plant, the, my, my kicking shoe was one size smaller than my plant shoe. And I was wearing a nine and a half to kick in because you want your foot almost not uncomfortably, of course, because you got to keep it on for four hours, three hours. But you want your your foot super tight in that in that kicking shoe because if you miss hit the ball, you still want to hit your foot on in your plant shoe. You know, I had my ankle heavily taped because I had a bad ankle. You know, it's my normal size shoe because you know that's not going to move around a whole lot. But if it did move at all on your plant leg, it's okay. But on your kicking shoe, you want to make sure your your foot is almost smashed in that shoe. Yeah. So I would I would take my I would have my little kicking bag with my my tees and stuff in it and a couple shoes in case something one blew out or something during the game. And I would always change my sock after every quarter and of course at halftime. And the one thing that did screw you up a little bit though is if 
maybe it's, you know, I don't know, fourth down, fourth down and the quarter's over. So I didn't really get a chance to change my sock, obviously, and retie my shoe. Cause I didn't want, I didn't want to come back and all of a sudden my shoes untied still and the, the play clock starting, you know? Uh, so that, that would kind of like, okay, I need to get over there, hurry up, get, get over here and change your sock. That was a little bit crazy on my end. Um, just because I like that new feel going into each quarter. Right. Instead of something that you've been wearing for 15 plus minutes, oh, more, way more than 15 minutes, but a 15 minute quarter. So, um, but I mean, it, it, I didn't, I never looked back and blamed it on something or if I didn't do as well as I thought I would, I wouldn't say, well, I, you know, I, for, I forgot to pick those up in my left hand instead of my right, you know, just little stuff like that. You're not, I wasn't that extreme, but it got to a point where superstition can, you know, can, uh, take, take over. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people did some stuff where they would, they would be late coming out of the locker room because they're doing something crazy in the locker room. And I mean, <laughs> but they had to do it. They right. had to do it to mentally be prepared, but as, as athletes are pretty weird. I mean, we're weird people and, uh, you know, kickers and goalies are, and, and goalies in uh, hockey are comparable. Um, <laughs> I guess we do some little crazy things, but, uh, you know, I know, I know some kickers that were, looks like they could care less and kick great. And then some that overthought everything and you could see in their results, um, that they're overthinking everything. Right. Right. Is it fair to say with, with you, you know, changing your sock at halftime, was there something about being fresh going back, going back into the game by putting a, a new sock on? Yeah. It's kind of like you're starting over. Okay. That quarter is gone. Second quarter is gone. Third quarter is gone. All right. This is the last straw here unless we get overtime. And yeah, so it's kind of like you're starting again. I never, I never messed with my left leg. Because <laughs> I had a, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal, but the kicking side was of utmost importance to me. And I don't know why, just something I did from day one. I did it in college too. So awesome. Awesome. I want to switch a little bit to your Super Bowl experiences. Uh, and before we get into, you know, your Super Bowl experiences, what was it like, like the next morning when you guys won your very first Super Bowl with the Steelers? Like, what did it feel like when you woke up the next morning? Well, you, you were uh well you, you realized you won because the parties and the security and you're hanging out with Kid Rock and Snoop Dogg and all these celebrities wow. and John Cena and you so you're realizing you're on a pretty big stage but you know the the thing about it is that that, that build up to that game is so intense that when it, it's you know when you play the game it's just another game it means it means a lot more obviously but it's just another football game right but you were so, so exhausted that night. You know, there's always a party, whether you won or lost. Luckily for me, I was in two Super Bowls and we won them both, so it was nice. But, you know, I, you, you already have a party pre-planned, and then the next morning, you got these, these are the flights you can get on, one, two, or three. And you get on there with your parents, you know, and, uh, the, and the teammates and their families. And not just – obviously on the way there, it's all – business and team but on the way home it's families and passing the Lombardi trophy around and all that but you know the the first day after you win you know is a, which is obviously a Monday you're just kind of like in awe like you, you know you just won the Super Bowl but you're kind of like oh we don't even have practice this week okay now what you know what's next and then, right. then on Tuesday or Wednesday you got the parade then it starts to hit home because you got Super Bowl champions gear you're wearing and this and that that's cool and then, but it never really culminates until you get that jewelry. And once you get that ring and the option to buy your significant other or your mother or your father or your pet or whoever, <laughs> different pieces of jewelry and stuff, right. um, then it hits home like, okay, we're, we are really the world champions and this is cool. Um, but you know, that, that being said, it's, um, it's really a, uh, the day after you're just exhausted, really. I mean, whether you partied hard or not, you're exhausted. Right. And the party carries over to the plane and, uh, you know, that, and that's fun. You're, you, I mean, you're celebrating something that is the reason you play the sport. I know a lot of people play it for the money and that's great, but you know, you can make money doing a lot of things, but when you, when you play in a Super Bowl and you win a Super Bowl and you wear rings to these charity events that I go to, and I'm a motivational speaker now. And, and I, I mean, people are like almost in tears over seeing a Super Bowl ring and, so now it, it, it makes me, you know, I haven't played in th uh, seven years. Um, can I still kick? Yes. But that's, you know, young, young guys, 
there's there's so many good kickers. There's only 32 in the world that play at that level. So, you know, it, it's just um, you, you look back and realize, man, how many lives did I change for the positive in a positive way with just I mean this piece of jewelry. I mean, yeah, it means something, but like, yeah, dude, I put it on. I put it on a woman's hand uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was up in um, uh, the Pittsburgh area, and you you would have thought Michael Jackson was back alive. I mean, she was like shaking and crying, and, and I mean, it's a great feeling to know that's mine. I earned that. But these, I mean, and Pittsburgh fans are a different breed anyway. Like they're they're true football fans. They're true sports. Oh fans. yeah, like every Big time. everywhere. Like pir- pirates, penguins, Steelers. Oh, yeah. They rule. They rule. They rule the big, the big town. I call this Pittsburgh. It's not even a city. Everyone knows everyone. And uh, but I mean that's. I mean that that's the kind of stuff that's that really it culminates when you get that huge jewelry box with that huge beautiful ring in there. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, this this is what we play for. And uh, that's so the day the day after school. There's no doubt about it because you know what you have done. But I hadn't sunk in. Then it goes to the parade. Then it goes, okay, we're going to go to the White House. And, uh, you know, all that stuff is great. And then you realize that you've really done something special. And um, so that's uh, Super Bowls. Are, I mean, I, just, I was just fortunate to play on a, in an organization that was so successful anyway. And on top of that, got into a playoff game, playoff atmosphere. And on top of that, we went to Super Bowls in my nine years there. So you can't really uh, – I don't, I don't – I wouldn't want to change one thing about my career. There's a couple games I want back. But, you know, I learned from those that not playing very well. At. So, you know, it's just um, it's, it's a it's a really, really, really cool feeling. So I can relate to how all these uh, champions that no matter what sport they're playing. Um, act and feel I can relate to all that. Yeah. Well, when you think about your two Super Bowls. After you won your first one, I can only imagine going into your second Super Bowl. Maybe I'm guessing more pressure you know, to do it again. Did, did you feel the pressure going into the second one? And did you learn, is there anything you learned about the first Super Bowl that kind of helped you going into your second Super Bowl? I think the, I think the biggest thing from the learning standpoint is not the game itself, because you only, you only put as much pressure uh, on yourself as, as you allow. It's still a football game. It's still a God given talent that I have as a kicker and Jerome Bettis has as a running back and Roethlisberger has the quarterback and Heinz Ward has the receiver. Those are God-given talents. Nothing changes. The stage changed, but nothing changes. So the biggest thing I learned, and I think a m- bunch of the guys would agree, is you got to take your, that one week you got where you practicing and we were, we were practicing in Pittsburgh before we went to the, uh, um, the city we were playing in for a week. That one week you got to take care of all these people that want tickets, they're not free. The face value is 600, 700, whatever it was. You got to tell people, no, they can't go. Sorry. And some people, yes, here you go. These are yours, you know, but this is what you got to pay. And you got to, you got to take care of all the travel, all this, all the family stuff, all that stuff that first week. So when you're there, you can actually focus on football. Yeah. Um, Cause the first, first go around, none of us were in a Super Bowl before. So, we didn't really, we were all like, yeah, whatever, we'll take care of that. We'll take care of it. And then all of a sudden you're scrambling. You've promised people something you can't, you know, can't live up to. You've overpromised, underdelivered. Um, and then you're let, you're allowing that to come to the field with you because people are blowing your phone up and being annoying when you're trying to work. Right. So that's the biggest thing I learned is knock that out immediately. If you got to be rude and tell people no, so be it. Sorry. You know, and, and just not knock that part out because once you get to that city you're playing in, even though you got four or five days or six, whatever it is, you're still, uh, you know, you're still, you're there to work, you know, and, and that's what you got to do. I mean, uh, there's, there's time for fun and there's different curfews on different nights and all that. But the bottom line is you're there to work. So the nonsense with people wanting tickets and people wanting free stuff and people want this and that, it's got to go away that week before. So I think that's the biggest thing I learned from the going into the second Super Bowl. I had already had, told everyone just okay you're good here you're good you're good get your flights let me know blah 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 i'll get you a room you know that was done so but as far but as far as the game i mean the the media is crazy you got to wear your credentials everywhere security is super tight i mean it's nuts but you know 
the first go around, it was kind of like all of us were, you know, we, we were thinking we were going to take care of stuff when we got to Detroit instead of before. And it was, you know, probably, probably not the best idea. Um, but the second time, the, the one in Tampa, we already knew right away that, okay, we're taking care of this now. So when we get there, you know, we can enjoy ourselves and get better so we, we can win the Super Bowl. Got it. Awesome. You know, I, I want to kind of focus more on you as, as a person within this role, being a kicker. Because from my perspective, and this is purely my perspective, playing 13 years of football, almost every single football team that is ever on, the kicker was, from my perspective, was always quiet. And, you know, obviously their role was to kick. So, not, you know, they weren't in a lot of team drills. And m- most of the teams I was on, they didn't even condition with us. So they were kind of a standalone person, but they were always very quiet. And with you, you know, when I look at your at your career, there was something obviously different in such a good way. You obviously, you had, you know, sometimes had crazy hair. Um, you were, your physique you know, most, most, you know, kickers were thin and skinny and you had a physique and it was, um, there was something about you, you just owned who you were, like you owned it and which made it even more special when you did well and won the Super Bowl, the Super Bowls. But where does this mindset come from? Just owning who you are? Well, the thing about it, obviously I am not, um, at all built like a kicker. I was, nor was I built like a soccer player for when I played 15 years of that. The biggest, the biggest thing is I'm a jokester. I'm a journalism major from college with minor communications. So I can talk in front of anyone. I can talk to anyone. I'm not going to hide from the public. So I was just owning who I was and enjoying the moment. Uh, it wasn't always fun. I mean, it's still a very stressful job. And it's still a business, so not everything is perfect. Right. But, you know, the thing about it, like with the hair, like I was just like, you know, kickers are kickers are weird anyway. I'll do this. You know, why not? <laughs> and, you know, and it grow out crazy. Then before the second Super Bowl, I told my teammates, whenever we clinch a playoff spot, I'm going to dye my hair like Ric Flair because I used to hit his color because I used to work for Rick in Charlotte. And, and so they're like, you are not going to do that. And I said, well, let's go ahead and clinch this playoff spot and you'll see. I mean, I sat in that chair for three and a half hours getting that color done perfectly and it was driving me nuts, but, um, you know, I, I did it. You know, we, I think we clinched like week 12 or something, or maybe it was week 13, but so I had it like that throughout the whole playoffs and a few weeks of the regular season. So, uh, but it was just personality. That's all it is. I mean, my hair now is, is shaved, but like I used to shave it every summer, let it grow throughout the whole season, just trim up the sideburns. And uh, maybe put some highlights or low lights in it, and you know, I roll with it. That's what I did. And um, it was just personality, though. It was just who I am. Like, I'm crazy. I'm outgoing. Um, I'm not going to be a guy in the, in the news in a negative light all the time. I didn't do everything perfectly, that's for sure. But you know, I mean, I just I, I don't like to hide from the public. I mean, it's cool that you know I'm I'm a place kicker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I still put my pants on the same way they got that Joe off the street does. And, um, you know, so there, there's no reason for me, even though I should have, I, I probably could have done things a little differently in certain public situations and, you know, just, you know, instead of not caring, just, you know, kind of cared a little bit, you know, I've been, you know, but you can always look back on life and anything and say, I could have done something better. For sure. We all can. Yeah. But I was just, it was just, I owned who I was because I was a guy in my whole life that was, I was told I was too fat. Beyond the, we had two soccer teams. One was the better one that supposedly, and then there was the other one that always beat the better one, but we weren't the better one. You know, I was too fat. I wasn't in shape. You know, I was this, I was that. Then all of a sudden, you know, you, you make it, you're, I was a walk on in college. I only walked on there just to give a journalism school a try because that's what I wanted to major in. Um, And I knew it was a great university, had nothing to do with football and went through three head coaches in five years there only played just under two seasons there, only one year in high school. Um, you know, so I had three years of on-the-field experience before I got to the NFL. Wasn't invited to the combine, wasn't drafted, free agent to the uh, New Orleans Saints, just only only because of a connection, not because they just really wanted me. It was, a, it was a favor, and I made some of the favor. And then, you know, so, like, I was never handed anything. I wasn't a 
you know, five-star recruit and athlete and blue chipper. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't get a free education and, um, you know, not go to class. And I mean, I was like, you know, I was a nerd. I didn't drink in college, you know, I mean, until I was 21, I didn't drink, you know, like I, you know, I, I was, you know, I was brought up, I was raised right. I have a great family. Um, but it was, it was to the, it was to a point where I'm okay. I've, I told myself that I would maybe try out for the arena league if, um, you know, after, after college football, if it worked out all right and shoot, I'm playing in the NFL. And, and, you know, it was like, didn't expect any of that. Wow. Didn't really, I mean, I cared, I cared, but I trained for it, but it wasn't anything like I, I thought it was going to go. And, um, you know, so once I got there, I was like, okay, well, to sit at home all the time and then go to the practice facility and do the games, just live my life like that for as long as my career lasts. I don't think I'm going to do that because that doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> I, mean, I want to enjoy myself, whether it's going out to dinner, going to the bar to have a cocktail, um, going to a dance club and dancing, not just sitting in a corner like I'm cool and have more money than everybody. Right. You know, like, you know, I, I go to, I have Penguin season tickets, the hockey team, and I sit 15 rows up with the fans. I don't need to be in a box. I'm no better than them. And, you know, and sometimes people have something stupid to say. Most of them are nice. And, but I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change for anybody. I love it. And, you know, I was, I was, I was born a certain way to be a different breed. And I am. And uh, so I, I own that. And I own that I make mistakes. I own that I'm not perfect, but I also own that, you know, I've affected way more people in a positive manner than any, any kind of negativity that's brought, brought around me. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was just easy for me to do that. I love it, man. Th and thanks for sharing, man. That's, uh, that's awesome. I love it. It's been awesome to have you on my show. Just like getting inside of a, a Super Bowl champion kicker's mind and then just how you deal with preparation, how you dealt with playing on the big stage and what you're doing right now after football. Like, I, I just want to thank you for just being vulnerable and sharing your story and being on my show today. Well, I appreciate you having me, man. You know that you have my number. So if you uh, need anything else or whatever, I'll, I'll certainly um, accommodate, man. I, I appreciate you having me out there. I think just a lot of people need to know that just because you're a Super Bowl champion or just because you are lucky enough or, or blessed enough to play in NFL or play a professional sport, um, you, you know, life hits us all. And um, I think that's what people need to understand is, I mean, I've, I've seen the highest of highs. I mean, literally with those, with those rings and those games and what, what that game means to an organization and to a family and what it can do for fans and all that. And I've seen some pretty low lows, maybe not as bad as some people, that's for sure. But, and so you start to realize that life is a, you need good people in your life everywhere. And, uh, you know, you never, you know, you never leave an opportunity um, unturned. And, um, so I, I'm glad that I could be a part of it. I appreciate you uh, having me on. And anything you need, man, I'll be around. Yeah, man, I appreciate it very much, man. I appreciate it.